Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and we're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer Frank Verderosa, who lost three episodes <laughs> that were really <laughs> good did ones not. through his incompetence. <laughs> our he, guest this week, as the editor, he gets to cut that out of the show. He has total control. <laughs> Our guest this week is an actor, producer, musician, Academy Award-winning writer, and one of the most inventive, most popular, and most quoted stand-up comics of all time. As an actor, he's appeared in films like Reservoir Dogs, Desperately Seeking Susan, Coffee, and Cigarette, Natural Born Killers, Babe, Pig in the City, Half-Baked, and a little film called the Aristocrats, and his own Oscar-winning short, The Appointments of Dennis Jennings. TV appearances include Mad About You, The Larry Sanders Show, Saturday Night Live, Conan, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, Louie, Horace and Pete, and 19 memorable episodes of The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, his million-selling CDs, the Grammy-nominated I Have a Pony and I Still Have a Pony are required listening for anyone interested in the art of stand-up comedy or the art of joke writing. Maybe he'll give me some free copies. Please welcome to the podcast a true renaissance man, one of our favorite comics and one of the world's funniest humans, the animated, excitable, and wildly energetic Stephen Wright. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks did for you coming. Write that? Huh? Did Somebody you... did. That was... You think it was him? No. <laughs> Not from. So I'm so happy question. to be here. Thank what? you so. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. So our first question: Whatever happened to you? It did. It seemed like you were going to be so big. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I decided to go away. Was was it coming out of the closet? And well, you, were... it was, you know how transgendering is like <laughs> is acceptable now? Like, the, uh, I was way ahead. You are I right was way, there. Yeah, I was way I was like 20 over. years ahead. Um, tra- transgendering. You were pioneer. Have you thought of... Transgendering? Yes. Do you have any name? Do you have any names? Uh, what of uh, people uh, who are? N- no, no. Of choices. Like if you do it, do you have any names? See, I don't quite understand what I'm saying. It, it, now, is that people born both ways, or are these people having operations to change? I still don't. No, it's people who aren't comfortable with their own gender. So they decide to change genders. Yeah. By having oh surgery. So now change their now now with with I with, think with Bruce Jenner or yeah. whatever he calls himself. He's Caitlyn now. now. Oh, Caitlyn Jenner. She's Caitlyn. What what does he have and what does he have? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. Do you know, Steve? You're asking me. What? 
<laughs> in the first two minutes, yeah. you're asking See? me if I know what Caitlyn Jenner's actual body looks like. Yes. You know, yeah. when I was going to come here, I had no, you know, I had all the topics. That's I all did, you I, want I, to I, talk I, That's what you want me to just answer that and then I'll leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it rather than leading up to that in about 40 minutes, you're just going to go, go right Does in. he have, as they call, uh, uh, sausage and veggies? <laughs> Come up with that. <laughs> That's a first. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure, really. I would. I'm not sure. This is the third per time that's been asked of me today. Now. Cab driver asked me that. The guy in the hotel. Wow. And now I said to them, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. And then I said, why are you even asking me that? And I, they said something about you. No, so why are you asking me? Because well, I brought important. it up. <laughs> <laughs> like, if, I'm, if I ran into Caitlyn Jenner, should I offer him her a hand job? <laughs> Just to be polite. <laughs> Uh, From one celebrity to another. Yes. Just to be hospitable. <laughs> I spoke wow. to Sir Ben Kingsley about this. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? Oh, we spoke for hours. We're going to get. On that one subject? Yeah, we're going to get together later tonight. <laughs> Man, I think I'm glad that. Uh, anyway. Now, to me, I it's surrealism. Remember. To me, that stuff is surrealism. People changing Tran their gender. Yes, yeah. it's like because to me, surrealism is overlapping different realities. You mm -hmm. know, so you got this guy who wants to completely be a woman, and the other way around. It's like if it's Salvador Dali got in charge of sexuality for some people, that's what transgendering is to me. Well, I clears that part. <laughs> I'm reminded of your Salvador Dali joke about the fishing line. Oh, yeah, the dotted line. Yeah. He's one of my heroes, Salvador yeah. Dali. Well, you're, you're, you're both, uh, both of you are surrealists as comics, it's fair to say. You certainly are, Stephen. And Gilbert, yeah, there's a fair yeah. amount of surrealism in your yeah. act. Certainly a bit, a bit about a UFO landing on the lawn. And, and and an alien coming out and asking you a question about Ben Gazzara's career yes. <laughs> yes. would qualify as surrealistic comedy. I I never met Ben Gazzara. You never did. That's one of those. I wonder what he thought of that bit if he knew about it. Do you? Okay. Some some were. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to patch anything together here. What, what, what would Caitlyn Jenner think some, of that bit? <laughs> That's what we need That's to research. Question. Caitlyn Jenner, I think, was jerking off when I did that bit. <laughs> and playing with his breasts. <laughs> really? Now, now I, somebody told me, yeah. some reporter, that he was interviewing Ben Gazzara in his trailer. And and he said, you know that comedian Gilbert Gottfried and Ben Gazzara goes, he's smoking a cigar and he goes, oh, yeah, with, with the eyes and everything. And he goes, yeah, and he tells him the bit. And and Ben Gazzara, like, lets out a big laugh. He goes, ha, ha, ha. And he goes, and he hits him on the shoulder, goes, that's funny. <laughs> that's 
know who told you this? Yeah, I know some reporter. Did Norman Fell know that you did a bit about him too? <laughs> you know what? When I met Norman Fell, Steve, you want to go out and take a walk? Yeah. When I met Norman Fell, <laughs> he, I we rem- were just telling Stephen how you met Norman. Uh, yeah, I remember he said to me, and he was very nice, yeah. Norman. And, and and a funny actor. Yeah. And and a good dramatic actor, too. And I remember he, st- he was saying to me, uh, I said, oh, you know, I, I do a bit about you. And he goes, oh, he goes, most people who do a bit about me, it's more like a jab. And I, I felt so terrible because yeah. I always I always liked Norman yeah. Fell. And, and your bit was not a jab. No, yeah. no. It what was, was like, it? What, what did you say? Uh, oh, God, you remember it better than I do. Well, it was the bit about Kurt Waldheim, the former secretary of the U.N., was being accused of having a Nazi past. So Gilbert had a whole bit about, yeah, that, what was it? When they, when they surrounded his house, he said, I'm not Kurt Waldheim, I'm Norman Fell. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then they shout up, you know, oh, how do we know yes. you're Norman <laughs> Fell? Prove it. Yes. And, the, and the joke was... Uh, you John John Ritter was a consummate professional, <laughs> and and Cindy Williams had an endearing. Not Cindy Williams. Uh, uh, was it Cindy Williams? I think it yeah. was Cindy Williams. Yeah, right. I think it was an endearing Long show. Well, she would have been on Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. Oh, oh, Joyce uh, DeWitt. Oh, Joyce DeWitt. Right. Joyce DeWitt. <laughs> uh, John Ritter was a consummate professional, <laughs> and Joyce DeWitt had an endearing vulnerability. That was it. Yeah. That was the bit. <laughs> It loses a little something now out of context. Don't go away. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. I'm going away. Stop it, you. (laughs) And now back to the podcasting stylings of Gilbert Gottfried. When I think of you, I think of when you would do Bogart's ordering stamps. Oh, oh yes, yeah. yes. That's all you had yeah. him say, right? That one thing. Yeah, Humphrey Bogart or at the post office. Stamps. <laughs> <laughs> that used to come at the end of the act when you would yeah. run through the quick impressions. Oh, You'd yeah. you do Chico Marx and it, A View from the Bridge. Oh, yeah. Hey, this is a, some nice bridge, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know who liked the Humphrey Bogart bit? Uh, actually, uh, Kathy Lee Gifford. <laughs> this is she was one of my earliest fans. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's nice. That's what stays with you from his act, huh, Stephen? The, the yeah, and the, and the thing you would hold a piece of paper up. Oh yes, for the, for the baggage. You know who likes baggage? that? You know who likes that napkin bit? Uh, 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 Brooke Shields. Really? <laughs> Brooke Shields says she went to a foot doctor. And while they were working on her feet, she picked up a napkin that he had on the desk and started doing all of my napkin jokes. She did? Yes. Well, that's quite a, a yeah. an homage. Yes. That's fantastic. The plankton bit? Oh, yes. With the napkin yes. and the trick-or-treating with yes. the Dracula? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, S- Steve, I was talking to you. Uh, I think we had a conversation years ago across from... <laughs> Lincoln Center. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> about, I, no, I've i always I, said, I, I judge how beautiful a girl is by how hard it is to imagine her taking a shit. Well, I think that's... <laughs> right. I'm over here. I'm over here responding. Like, the way you said that, now you stopped. 
which means that the other guy is supposed to talk. Yes, right? so, please. Yeah, you know, I, please, that's, it's just, that's very interesting. <laughs> I, find that, I find that very interesting. It's very, very interesting. Don't worry, Steve. How, we, how, we, how, we can lift that out. How, how long have you had? No, this you should leave it in. I like yes. how I'm not yes. actually saying anything. How did you, uh, how long have you been thinking that? Oh, God. Uh, well, let's not, see. Not in elementary school. It, it started with the... <laughs> it started with what? I think it started with Theda Barra. <laughs> who's, who's that? Barra. She was in silent films. Yes. <laughs> you know, she was a silent screen star, Theda Barra. Yeah. And, and a Jew. <laughs> Theda Barra was Jewish. So, what are you saying? Theda Barrow was Jewish. I mean, I thought you were making a connection of silent film and Jewish people. You know who else? He wasn't (laughs) in silent film. You're associating. But uh, um, I'm going to have to. Who was Jewish? Was Ricardo Cortez? Yes, Ricardo Cortez. He was Jewish. Yeah, he was something like Artie Kranz. Love it. Love it. We talk about a lot of obscure shit on this show, Stephen. Was that woman pretty, that silent film star? Uh, yes, very pretty. So she would be, in your theory, yeah, yeah. Your theory she would be very... It'd be hard to imagine her taking a shit like Naaman, actually. Oh, <laughs> this is a new game show. Uh, Joyce uh, Boulefont. <laughs> who, who, who? I don't know. I'm just uh, pulling Jane, names Jane Mansfield. Jane Mansfield? Jane Mansfield. Well, kind of on the heavy side, so it wouldn't be that far a stretch. <laughs> Because you figure she she eats a lot of carbohydrates and roughage. <laughs> about uh, <laughs> you know Jennifer Connelly. Oh wow! Oh, that would be a tougher yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm Je- not agreeing. I'm just listening. Yeah, but Jennifer Connolly. <laughs> but I saw you nod your head. No, I didn't. That was an did. illusion. You did. No, you have said, double oh, vision, partial I, I double. Find you have it, partial vertical you double vision. You had that vision. look on your face like, I find it quite hard to imagine her taking a massive That's, dump. I had a look on my face that <laughs> yes, communicated that to you. Like if I was walking down the street <laughs> when I leave here, someone might pass me and think go, that. Think, he's, think, think he, that. They'll go, they'll go. Don't bother him. He's thinking about some old-time actors taking a shit. This should be recorded. Yeah. We should turn the mics on. Yes. What about Barry Fitzgerald? (laughs) I'm just going to throw names out. Who's he? (laughs) Now, Eugene Paulette. Yeah. We covered Eugene Paulette. Now, we got to give Steve a key. Yeah, you know, yes. to these, to these, uh, okay, Eugene Pallette, not are. only is it easy to imagine him taking a dump, but... <laughs> you know Eugene Pallette, Stephen? He was a character actor. He's in a lot of 40s movies. They, he, talk, he talked like this, yeah. short, stout. So I would know him if I saw him. Oh, yeah, in a I'll second. dial him up for you. It's like, in, in, uh, in fact, back then they would call him Froggy. That was his, like, nickname on my, in the business. And he was a very bigoted guy. Not a very nice person. So you can talk about him like this yeah, and not yeah. feel so bad he could about take it. Your knowledge shit. of this stuff is incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you're, like, unbelievable. Like, did you start, like, all this, your head is like a giant library. You must have been, oh, yeah, yes, yes, I go. see him. He's in a He's, lot of Capra stuff and Preston Sturge. Now, Stephen. Frank just showed me a picture of him. That's why I'm saying yes. If you had to name the worst film you appeared in, 
I've got it down to two. <laughs> You've been putting this guy on the spot since he walked in here. I can't. I can't do that. I don't. I can't. It would have to be son of the mask. <laughs> that face. That face. God. <laughs> Is Marie Dressler taking a shit? If, if no, now can... I got to dial up Marie Dressler yeah. for Steven. Okay. <laughs> now. It's going to be a long show. Okay, so Son of the Mask, horrible, horrible movie. Thank you. Thank you. And 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 the equally horrible film, but ignored and in bad film territory. And that's so I married an axe murderer. Oh my god, that movie's hilarious. I like that it's, film. It's that's hilarious. hilarious. It's funny. I must this, have missed that part. No, I think that's that's one I of must those have been movies. taking a shit <laughs> in a funny part. I, 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 in, a, in a funny car? Did you say in a funny, in a car? funny car? Oh, in a funny yeah. When sometimes I would take a shit when I was riding with the Keystone cops. <laughs> That would be a funny car. Raceway Park. (laughs) Sometimes when I was in a scene from Mad Mad World and I would be in a funny car, I would take a shit there. (laughs) And Terry Thomas would complain. (laughs) I have to say, I think So I Married an Axe Murder is very funny. You think it's funny? Yeah, I do. And I'm not just saying it. I mean, I have no reason to just. You know what? If I you mean, think it, that's it, funny, can we just talk about actresses taking a shit? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> what yes. Are, what are your two worst movies, Gil? Oh you, God! Can you El, narrow it down how can you narrow it down? Funky Monkey. Oh, Funky Monkey <laughs> Funky is Monkey. right up there. Uh huh. And I've never seen it. Of I'm course. Scared to see it. Of course. Is then, that an animated movie? The what? No, is it's it live action. Live Funky action. Monkey. What is now, it about? Now, Funky Monkey. <laughs> And I was in the second version of Funky, Funky Monkey. Monkey. They too. had filmed it once before. And the, they didn't release the first one? Uh, yeah, I think it was in France they first shot Funky Monkey. And and they would have some scenes with an actual monkey and other scenes with a with a an angry French midget. An angry drunken French midget, which uh and he'd be like Blasted out of his skull, stumbling around in, in the his movie. He wasn't suit. really drunk. He was no. He was uh, he was an angry guy, and he was interacting with a monkey. No, he was supposed to be the monkey. Oh, he was the monkey, and they had him dressed up in a monkey suit. And and this, for some reason, maybe he wasn't that proud of himself. What was the plot this of Funky is, Monkey? That's the French uh, version. Well, they were originally going to call it Spy Chimp, <laughs> so that'll let you know. Okay, and the other one was. Harry Tales, and uh, I guess I get it. Oh, Matthew Modine was in it, and uh, and so that that's you, quite. A, you know, you, you go from it? working no. with Stanley Kubrick, right, to uh, oh, to Funky Monkey. That's showbiz. You worked yeah. with Stanley Kubrick. The what? No, uh, Modine in Full oh, Metal oh, Jacket. Oh, oh, yeah. No, the angry oh, yeah. French midget. <laughs> he, he, he was in, uh, he was in 2001. 2001. <laughs> yes, he played one of the creators on the moon. <laughs> I remember now. <laughs> What's your favorite movie? Not one you were in. Well, you know, for years I used to say it was, it's Harold and Maude. And, uh, like, you know you know that movie, right? I, you know something? Don't Mon- tell me you've never seen Harold I, and Maude. I've seen bits and pieces oh, of it. You. I just Ruth Gordon and Bud Court. 
Bud yeah. Court and like when and I grew up in Massachusetts and in in Harvard Square that movie played for like five years as a double bill with uh, uh, Funky some, Monkey. No, yes, Funky yeah. Monkey. No, <laughs> they used to play it with King of Hearts. King of Hearts. Yeah. That's it. How yeah. did you know? Because they used to, there was a double bill that was everywhere. Across oh, it the was. Country. Yeah. Oh my God. That yes, that's what it was about the insane bill. asylum. That's right. And I would see that movie several times, Harold and Maude. It just was very touching to me because it wasn't just funny. You know, it was about life and death and sure. living and, like, Hal Ashby. Oh, the great Hal Ashby. He's come up on this show a lot. Oh, I love the his, so many of his being movies. There. When I first, when VCRs first came out, uh, my girlfriend had one, and I went down to rent two movies. And at the time, I wasn't into directors. This was like 1985. I didn't know who directed anything. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't into I go rent two movies. I put one in and I watch, and it was like Harold and Maude. Okay, where are I? And I took it out, the thing, put the next one, and it was being there. And, I'm, and it starts, and I see the Hal Ashby, and I go, wait a minute. I'm not even sure if that was the same guy. So I take it out and put Harold and Maude back in. Same guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing. He had a great the run. sensibility, not even knowing that he had done those. Well, I'm, and, and uh, what's his? What was the music? The music, Cat Stevens. The Cat Stevens music. And that one song that was specifically for that uh, movie. He wrote one song oh, for it. Don't be shy. Don't, yeah, don't be, be shy. shy. I just saw him perform at the Beacon. A you did ago. A couple months ago. Yeah, absolute treat. Oh, he hadn't God. been in New York in forty years. Wow. It was an absolute treat, and he did those Harold and Maude. He songs. did. Yeah. Wow. That was great. It's wow. great. I got some video. I'll show it to you I later. I got it on my seen, phone. Seen but that. but but Ashby had a great run. Coming home, shampoo. He made the Woody Guthrie movie, uh, Bound for Glory, with David Carradine, and being there. And what am I forgetting? The landlord. Oh yeah. And the last detail, which you oh, love. Yeah, the last detail. Yeah. yeah. Last detail. Yeah. yeah. Great run. Yeah. Jack Nicholson and yes. Randy Quaid. Randy yeah. Quaid. Well, before he went completely over. Randy Quaid. My favorite thing about him is, you know, either the police are after him or, as he said, the celebrity whackers. Yes. Which is... <laughs> yeah, the celebrity It's a gang squad. of people who jerk off celebrities, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to find them. I, I would go to their headquarters <laughs> if there were celebrity like whackers. Funny monkey knocked you off that yeah. list. Yeah, always that French midget is yeah. always gets in before I do, and and so to hide out, he goes to faraway Canada, and he does a press conference to <laughs> announce <laughs> that, that hiding I, out? I'm hiding, hiding out. out in Canada right now. Which I don't know if it's the smartest thing to do if you're hiding out. He just thinks people are after him, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's very funny in a movie called Quick Change. You know this movie, Bill Murray movie? Oh yeah. Yeah. He is. He's just uh, terrific in that. Tony Shalhoub too. So you were you're starting to say that Harold and Maude used to be your favorite. Well, you know, it was interesting. You have these movies, and I can ask both of you guys if this mm-hmm. has happened to you. You have a movie, and you had that's my main movie, you know, mm-hmm. and you watch it for every three or four years, still, still, still. And then there's this time when you watch it, like, and it's, wait, well, I, don't, I don't think it is anymore. But that's because you've changed. Obviously, that's the right. movie hasn't changed. What movie? Are there any movies? And there's you- another one you'll be surprised, yeah. maybe. The Summer of 42. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Gary know, Grimes. Gary Grimes. Yeah. Uh, I saw that a, a couple months ago, and I didn't really know that the, 
when it was made in like seven. I was the same age as that kid in the movie, mm-hmm. and I didn't even know that till when I watched it a few months ago. That movie has such a quiet, like, you know, it's just beautiful. It's amazing. That's one of my favorite movies, too. What movies that you can name did you see at one time say, this is like the greatest movie ever made, I love it, and then see it like shortly afterwards and go, this is crap. That never happened to me. Does that happen to you? You yeah. fall out of love with a movie that quickly? Oh, and well, from... I don't know if it's like uh, that short amount, but there have been movies I've seen where I thought, oh, this is great, and then I saw it again, and I went, hmm, all yeah. right. Like yeah. a few like, years later, like? Yeah. No, I've never had that. Yeah. There have been movies I saw in film school or 20 years ago that I loved, like Strangers on a Train. Yeah. Hitchcock's, uh, which is which I then saw 20 years later or 25 years later as an adult, and I didn't think quite as much of it. Yeah. But that's rare. Yeah. That you should love something and then completely yeah, do, a, do a 180 on it. Well, I think what happens when you go to movies, when you're young and going to... Yeah, well, it always got me when people say they'll criticize a movie because they'll say, oh, the movie was very manipulative. And I'm saying, well, movies are manipulative, and and I to me that's like saying, oh that magician, it's not real magic. He's doing tricks, <laughs> and it's a matter of you know yes, you know it's tricks. But if the magician's good, you're going, how did he do that? And you're fascinated. I never thought of that. They are all manipulative because I've had movies where I've watched that I didn't like because they were so manipulative, and I and I and I I never thought that all of them are really. Yeah, because I mean the greatest films have scenes that they want you to start crying, they want you to laugh, they want you to be at the edge of your seat. Yeah, with the music pushing you yeah. that way. You resent that, that you're being so uh, uh, directed? No, but what happens is uh, when you're younger, you fall for it more. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And then after a while, you see the tricks. Right. And and you start to watch it and go, okay, yeah. they're doing that overhead yeah. shot, now the music's starting to come yeah. on, and now they're pulling back and you... David Lynch is one of my favorite directors, and I think that's, he's fascinating to me because I don't know what any of the movies are about. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't. I they're don't. And stylish I love, as and hell, I, though. What's that? They're stylish as hell, they're, though. They're, they're, yeah. I'm, drawn, I'm drawn to them, which is yeah. really bizarre because if usually if you don't, can't follow a story or something, you would be lose interest, you know, if it's not, you know, this is, you know, but there's something about him where, I mean, it is surreal. I love surrealism, mm-hmm. and I'm very drawn to his movie. He's well, one I, of my favorite uh, directors. He would talk about music being, I mean, movies being like paintings that had sound. Interesting. That's how he would describe movies. Well, I think people who claim they understand the David Lynch movie are lying. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some with a straighter narrative. Uh, yeah. I mean, The Elephant Man is... is oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That's follow. a movie. That but was like Mulholland Drive right. and that one with Robert Blake. Uh, um, oh, uh, was it Wild at Heart? No, that's with Nicholas There was that Cage. one he has on, like, like almost like a clown makeup, Robert. I know, I'm trying to think of the one you're talking yes, about. Yes, that's the one, and he call, he's somewhere, and he calls him his house, and he answers his house. He's he's somewhere else, and he calls his house. Our listeners are screaming at, the, uh, at their devices you, now. You know what's, what's, what's so weird is that 
when you just take him as an actor, Robert Blake was a fine actor. Like, I mean, in that and in Lost Cold Highway. Blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one you're thinking of. But he's one of those that will always be remembered for the wife. And he'll never be, you know, like as an actor. He's not remembered anymore. And now while Gilbert heads into the nutmeg kitchen to steal more Perrier, (laughs) a word from our sponsor. (laughs) For the first time, the complete woman is now available on Earwolf completely free. It's 1962. Do you know where your husband is? Maribel May is here to save your marriage on The Complete Woman, a pitch-perfect send-up on vintage self-help records, written by and starring Amanda Lund, who you may know from Spontaneous Nation and Super Ego, and featuring Matt Gurley, Maria Blasochi, and Stephanie Allen, and more. Hear the complete woman on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And if you want more, you could find Maribel's follow-up series. The Complete Joy and the Complete Man on Stitcher Premium. Just go to www.stitcherpremium.com slash complete. It'll improve your marriage or your husband's money back. Maribel guarantees it. And now back to more hilarity and trenchant insight. Gilbert Gottfried. There's a Lynch movie called The Straight Story, too. Do you know this one? With Richard, well, you know that, that actor Richard Farnsworth? Oh, yes, yes. He was in uh, Misery yeah. as yeah. the sheriff. What is that? About I a, guy, a that. guy rides a tractor. Yes, yeah, all the way across yeah. somewhere. Yeah, see his to, family. to visit his brother. Visit his brother. That really wasn't sp- Bruce Dern? No, it was Richard Farnsworth. who was an old uh, stuntman cowboy actor. Yeah. Um, and it's really sweet. That's a Lynch film that was just... Just a, a, a straighter narrative. Yeah. Lynch. What did you watch? I mean, I know you were you grew up in in Burlington, Massachusetts, and you. you know, I read that your brother controlled the TV remote, and that's how you got into Carson. Yeah, I mean, he was in charge of the television. He was four years older than me, and like on a Friday night, everyone would be in bed, and me and him would be in the living room, and I would sit back on the couch, and he would sit in, on the floor and with his hand up on the channel changer <laughs> and he loved John he loved him mm-hmm. so I had to watch him because right. I had no say and then when Johnny would go to a commercial he'd go to the other two channels for, you know and then he'd come back to Johnny to make sure we didn't, he didn't miss anything and from that over and over then that then then I that's how I was drawn into it like then I started watching it I started to love it because he because and it started because he because uh, he he controlled the television. Well, I mean, you watched it, Brenner and Pryor yeah, and Brenner Carlin and, and Robert Klein Robert and Klein. Uh, Rodney would do a lot of those. Rodney and 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 guys that would come on and maybe you would never see them ever again. That was when see, I was drawn like, wow, look at this guy. He comes on and he talks about life for five minutes and he's hilarious. And then he goes and sits with Johnny. I don't remember seeing stand-up on Ed Sullivan. I probably did, but I, it had no thing. Maybe I was too young. Mm-hmm. This Seeing this guy do the Carlin, my hero, sure, absolutely. Sure. Seeing this person do this, it just slowly was like, wait a minute. 
I would I would like to be one of those guys. And what what gets me about Carson, much like Saturday Night Live, is it's got the reputation of someone goes on it, you see them for five minutes and they're a major star. But you forget the millions of people who've been on both Carson and Saturday Night Live who you don't remember their names or what they did. Except freaks like us remember their names. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll remember <laughs> I'll remember every comic but I ever like saw on Carson. But like normal people. Yeah, like you would see somebody like Steve Landisberg come out and do stand-up on Carson and those Yeah, days. he was great. Uh, he was fantastic. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, uh, Skip Stevenson. Uh, there were guys, remember him? Yeah, and Bluestone, 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 Blue 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 yeah, he Jeff Altman, and there was Jeff one Altman, comedian who I think started out as Daphne Davis, and then after doing it for a few years, changed her name to Maureen Murphy. I remember her. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you're amazing. In those days, that was you know that's old school talk shows too, where you could have a comic come out and do five minutes. Yeah, you don't see that anymore. You you'd have like a newscaster and a dramatic actor and a comic right. all sitting on the panel together. Right. And we were out, we were talking before we turned the mics on about the old school guys that you'd see on Carson, like Hackett, like Jackie Vernon, Biner, Biner, and of course, I mean the, uh, John Rickles of and Rickles. John Rickles is one of the. Greatest of all time. I remember when they when Johnny would say who was on the next week, he would mm -hmm. lead the guests, and he was going to be on. I was excited. I mean, I I I loved Don Rickles. Even in the last five or six years, I would look him up on my phone on YouTube. I would have like a I have to see Don Rickles with Johnny. You know, he put Johnny Don mm -hmm. Rickles, and I watched these appearances. I would go through phases like five times a year where I had had to see them. Like it's incredible. How did you? He, he it was unbelievable. There was no one like him. I know he he's just, under your Mount Rushmore of comedy. He is. He, yeah. He's incredible. Did you see and him he's live? So fast, so fast, so fast. No, I never saw him live. Did you ever see him live? Gilbert did. Oh Don? yeah, I I saw him live. Me and a friend snuck into Westbury, and yeah, saw Don Rickles live. Yeah, he was great. What a mind. Yeah. Nobody and even close to him. There's not even a guy near him. I mean, he's it's completely in his own I, category. I never met him. Have you I met him met a few times, and he was very nice. Yeah, very that's sweet, what I heard. Sweet person. Yeah. Never he, had the chance to meet him. He was an event guest on Carson, like you say. Somebody yeah. if you knew was coming on, like Rodney. You had to. Yes, you had to watch. A, this other level of yeah. them going on it was extra exciting. Yeah, or Steve Martin. Yeah. Too. And and I remember with Rodney Dangerfield, first he'd come out and do a set, which would be hysterical. And then the panel oh, yeah. would be even <laughs> The panel was the second set. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How you doing? It was like a double set. He'd do <laughs> another 10 minutes sitting right. down. Yeah, it was sort of like, so Rodney, how are you? Right. That goes, was it. Well, I'm okay now, but last week I was in rough shape. That was it. <laughs> that was it. And he do 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And my it, doctor, Dr. Vinningum Boss. <laughs> now that I think of it, he never actually said anything real. No, he never no, said no. anything panel, about it. He wasn't life. a real interview. The panel was a whole second set, and I liked the panel even better than the stand-up. It was so ridiculous. The flies chipped in to, to fix the hole in the screen because his wife was such a terrible cook. <laughs> just do one after the other. And then one, one, every now and then one wouldn't work. Yeah. And he'd just take that one out and he'd cross it off. 
he took a break, right? Didn't he do it for years, and then he took like a 20-year break where he didn't do it? He has an interesting history. And, but he, I heard he wrote jokes during that time, and then he came back in his 40s or well, maybe was, even 50s. I think he was Jack Roy. Roy. Jack yeah. Roy. In the beginning, and he has a very strange past. And then, past. according to... He's a tin uh, man. Yeah. Selling, they, he was selling aluminum siding. Wow. Yeah, and something wow. crooked was happening, yeah. and the police... Well, the Cliff Nesteroff yeah. is the man to check with yes. on that. He might, Rodney uh, reportedly was, was kind of caught up in uh, in some scandal for selling, oh, uh, for selling siding to uh, widows and... Uh, <laughs> Before he clawed his way, found his way back into stand-up. I, I no, he didn't were, have the no respect thing when he first started out. No, he, he developed that, that over later. the years. Did you and meet I, him? What? Oh, Rodney. Rodney. In fact, I did two bad movies with. I. I oh, you were in Meet Wally Sparks. Meet Wally Sparks. <laughs> How could we forget? And you'll never know the name of the next movie. Something I about midnight. Saw. Yeah, back by midnight. Back by midnight. I listened to you on the other episodes. Oh, I know that oh okay. You. Nick's, <laughs> Nick's, the New York Knicks. Uh, what? Did you say Nick's movie? The next movie. Next oh, the movie. next. Yeah. And and I remember one time seeing Rodney on stage, and and he was trying out stuff, and the audience just wasn't with him. Really? And yeah, and he goes, he stops for a while, and he's you know <laughs> fixing his tie and looking both ways, and then he goes, hey. If anybody tells you you're a hot crowd, you spit in their face, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you saw him say that? Uh, oh, yes. I saw him at West Ferry a bunch of times. Did they laugh when uh, he said that? Oh, yeah. How did you get into doing stand-up? How, did, how were you drawn into that? Okay, I was, you know, a, a kid who watched way too much TV, wasn't good at sports, wasn't that popular. And I started, like, imitating people I saw on TV, like actors and comedians and stuff and joking around. Imitating to your friends or just for yeah, yourself? Yeah, just to my friends, yeah. to my sisters and stuff. And then one of my sisters told me a friend of hers said about there was some club in Manhattan that you just came in, you wrote your name down, and when they got to you, they said your name and you went up and did a few minutes. And I and I did that. I traveled from Brooklyn with my sisters to Manhattan. And I did that. And I remember uh, I was mainly like an impressionist. It was like Rich Little or Frank Gorshin. I was doing impressions. You just got up and did Lugosi and oh, that, yeah. that kind of stuff? Yeah. Even, even back then, it was dated material <laughs> I was doing. But before you knew of that club, did you want to do that? And then when you heard the club, then you say, oh, now I can go there? Oh, or yeah, the, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so then how I did it? You got in your head from watching a lot of television. Yeah. And, and comedians on talk shows or just television Comedians on talk shows or just actors where I started imitating them. And uh, and once again, I always say this, and it's true. I had total stupidity on my side because stupidity that says I could make it in show business yes, yes. and more stupidity that goes, you know, well, the odds aren't against me. That's pretty fucking stupid. Well, you were young, too. You yeah. were 15. yeah. Fifteen, yeah, and and wow. the the stupidity that when I go on stage and I would bomb, and and I would still want to go back. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, I know, I know, I know what you mean. When you're that young, you're so optimistic. If yeah. you think of the reality, the statistics of it, it's probably not going to happen. It, it's just like nowadays when someone says they're an aspiring comic. Like back then, oh, I thought, yeah, I could be the next Bob Hope. So what? Uh, but nowadays, if someone wants to be an ins- aspiring comic or someone says, oh, what if your kids wanted to be in showbiz? I would think, well, I understand digging through trash cans and taking out soda cans to turn in for a five cent deposit. That makes sense to me. At least that's rational. Mm-hmm. And but being in show business nowadays seems so irrational. Well, I think two different things. I think that statistically, it's like part of me thinks, yeah, you want to go into this, but you really shouldn't because the chances of it really happening is so remote, and there's a lot of luck, timing, luck that has to line up. And then I think, but wait a minute. Yeah, it happened with me, so why couldn't it happen with them? You well, know? Not, neither of you had parents that had anything to do with show business. No, no. no. Your, your dad, no. your dad worked for NASA for a time, and then well, he was an engineer, yeah. and they tested stuff that went up on the Apollo. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things he did. Did you approach your parents at any point and discuss this with them and say, "I think no. I'm getting up at a club and trying"? No, it. as a matter of fact, I didn't even tell anybody. I didn't tell any of my friends. When I was watching Johnny in the early 70s and it got into my head, I was like, that's what I want. My dream is to do that. And I didn't tell anybody because I thought if I told anybody, it would jinx it. I see. And it wouldn't happen. So I was in all through school, out of high school, in college, out of college. Then I heard about the Comedy Connection in Boston. And then I told my friend Mike I was going to go down to the club to the open mic and he went with me but that was the first time i never i never talked about it at all it was no show business and and now when i think of it with like more adult mind as much as my mind can be adult i'm i'm thinking like oh my oh christ what my parents must have been thinking (laughs) when like you know, like, oh, look, I'm going to be the next Charlie Chaplin or something. That's how I'll make my living. Your my father, well, he said to me once in the clubs before I was on television, he said, well, you know, you should think about getting a job. Like getting, oh, yeah. Or getting a real job. And he was just trying to, you know, take care of me. But the thing, the young thing, that innocent thing you're talking about, you're naive, you're happy, you was, didn't know, you didn't know, you didn't know. It's like that pilots of jets, like F-16 warplanes. You know, those guys, they, they're, they're like, they're that young age where they're thinking, they're not thinking anything's going to happen. Let's go. Let's, yeah. let's just go. It's not it's like, like, it's oh, like, it's like the that. The foolhardiness of youth. Yeah, you, that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, it's not like, gee, the other guy has bullets in his plane, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> their planes might be better. And, yes. and that other guy's a skilled pilot also. <laughs> I've heard exactly. you say, Stephen, that, it's, that it's an, uh, when you think about it, it's really an abnormal thing to do, to go out and make strangers laugh with stuff you made up. It is yeah. abnormal. Yeah. It's very weird. And it's especially when I'm doing shows consistently, it's it's like a normal, it's an abnormal thing that it appears to be normal. Just because it happens over and over, it's like an illusion that that makes it normal, but it doesn't really. But then when I haven't done a show for like a month or something, then when I'm 
backstage or on the side of the stage when I, I'm not used to it because I've had so much time off. Then it's really like, what are you kidding me? I have to go out there and do that? See, this is insane. I, <laughs> I had this. Even after 30 years. Yes. After See, I think. Absolutely. I, I think stage fright actually gets worse the more experience That's you've had. Really? Because when you're young, you're, you know, it's like, you know, when I was in my teens, you could have said, oh, we want you to go out in front of this audience of 20 billion people and it's going to be broadcast live around the world. And you go, huh? Okay. And, and now... I always have this fantasy, right, as I'm about to go on stage, that the manager is going to come out to me and go, oh, we had a fire or a flood, <laughs> and so the show's canceled. Here's your check. Oh, you can go home now. And I think that's my fantasy. Still now? Oh, worse than ever. I work with a lot of comics wow. that say that too. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to name them. But yeah. still have that same anxiety. People who've been very successful in doing this 30, 40 years. Yeah. Is there any, and we'll look for any excuse to not go up. Oh, exactly. Right. See, when I'm on stage, then I'm there. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. easier than when you're back about to go on. Because when I'm about to go on, to me, I compare it to, you know, when you're about to go in either in the ocean or in a pool and you Dipping your toe in, you go, oh, my God, that's so cold. And then when you're actually in the water, then you're okay. Yeah. You've dealt with it. But you you start inching in, and it's freezing. And then the, you're in there. It's okay. Yeah, it's it's better doing it than thinking about doing it. Now, do it's you— It's not a normal thing. It's not a normal thing. <laughs> no, no. And, 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 to, and, I, and you know, to, it's, I keep—I would tell my— Road manager, it's like, I shouldn't even really be doing this. I've been telling it for years. Like, not like I'm going to quit. I mean, it's completely against my personality. It's, I'm such an introverted, I don't look at me. I don't, I, you know, every comedian wants the attention. It's like a catch-22. You want the attention, but really you don't want any in your regular life, you know? It's like I do this thing pretty good that I shouldn't even really be doing. Well, it's, <laughs> that's how I feel about it's it. A, it's a split personality, obviously, yes. where there's one part of you that says, I'm great and the world will leave their houses and pay money to see me. And the other part of you is, oh, can you please love me? That's all I want. I just want you to love me. I never think the first part. Yeah. About I'm great. Well, I've never, never thought you were. Thank you. So, <laughs> so I'm right. So I'm right then. then I'm right. Hey, hey, I'm we're, we're in full agreement on this. I've never thought you were even mildly entertaining. Oh, God. I'm so happy that there's other people. There's probably a lot of other people. My God, I, I, I see the show almost like if you were running across a, a lake of ice and then, then the, the cr ice is breaking behind you, yeah. like you, and it takes an, oh, hour, yeah. an hour to get across and you get the, you got to get it across. It's like, to me, it's like walking a tightrope. It's so intense. Don't you think it's intense out oh, there? Yes. It's just everything's magnified. Everything is, so I'm not thinking, oh, I'm, I'm great. It's almost like I want to try to get away with it another time. Let me get away with it again. <laughs> That's how I yeah. see it. I've heard you say you're just got, you're getting to all you're thinking of is getting to the next joke. 
because you don't want to go that far without hearing a laugh. Yes, that's why I didn't know this until years later, but that's when I thought, you know, I knew it like 10 years, I thought, well, why are the jokes so short? Why are they so short? And then I figured it out. It was because I didn't want to be standing there talking some big setup. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to be laughing because that was more comfortable than no laughing during the setup. Sure, of course. And sometimes you get those audiences where you have to, you you can't ride a wave with them, and you have to. It's like an audition with each bit you do. Oh yeah, yes. You say yes. <laughs> It's like, what do you think of this one? It is. Yeah. It is. It's an audition. It's yeah, 500 yeah. auditions yes. in 80 minutes. You say a joke, it gets a big laugh, and then the next joke, they've already forgotten about you, yes. and you have to prove yourself again. Yes, because some audiences, just because that one went big, you can't trust the next one. You can't trust them. It's almost like going out. I see it almost like uh, sometimes with having going out with a woman, like a woman. Having, I wouldn't having, know. Having... <laughs> <laughs> oh, getting back to uh, what's his name, Jenner? You wouldn't, you wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, sometimes I'm out there and it's going really good, good, but I don't trust it. And it's like relationships. I, you know, so many relationships didn't work out, but for a long time it was going good, you know. And it's like sometimes I feel like that with the audience. It's like, yeah, I know you're going, I know you're there right now, but I don't trust it. I don't really know what's going to happen. That well, doesn't mean it's going to go like that for the whole way. And that, I'm almost waiting for when the, t- the turn, when the turn is. Sometimes there isn't a turn, but lots of times there is a turn. Well, so many people in the business, feel, I, I definitely feel this, but so many, I've heard it from so many other people, famous people, who go like, oh, like they they haven't found out yet. They haven't found out that I'm a fraud, and and it's like uh, yeah, I've heard that. Like like you you're sneaking by. Yeah. Like yeah. one day they're going to discover it. Yes, and there's some of those. Na- I've heard that too, and I don't remember the specific people, but whatever the people were, it was like that guy thinks that. Yeah, that, legendary that, you're people. Me. You're kidding this. me. Yeah. My my sister told me that she, a few years ago she read something about Elvis that he would be he was afraid before he went on. He was nervous before he went on. Can you imagine? Would you think that he was? I mean, as an as a, just as a guy, how much? I mean, look at the how they reacted to him. Somebody who told I was me, stunned by that. That is, that is stunning. Somebody who to, who I know who opened for Rickles told me that he took three belts, that he took three big glasses of vodka oh, before wow. he went out on stage <laughs> because he needed the. And you would think at that stage, at that late stage, for a comic that can't get any bigger can't, you know, has every reason to have confidence and not have stage fright still happening. I think I'm going to have yeah. to start drinking vodka. <laughs> Let me ask you something, Gillen. Yeah. I, I, I think I know this about Stephen because I saw it in the research. But Okay, so we don't need Stephen. Well, I'm going to ask him too. Do you know, you have so much material built up after all these years, yeah. and I've seen your act a hundred yeah. times. Do you know, if I go see you at Caroline's on a, fr- on a, on a, on a Saturday night, do you know exactly what you're going to do in that set? Or... Do you have some of it in mind and it's, some of it's just yeah. coming to you on stage? Yes. You randomly pick cherry-picking things on stage uh, some, as you think of them? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, like, I'll sort of say, okay, I'll start off with this bit, you know, just instinctively. 
And then others, when I'm there, I'll go, okay, I've got to, I have to do another bit here. Uh, oh, that one. That one I haven't done for So you're free associating yeah, on yeah. stage and just pulling things out of the bag. Yeah. The other day I was in a restaurant and uh, I said, I want a cup of coffee. And the waiter said, how do you like your coffee? And I said, I like my coffee the way I like my women. Hot and black with a small piece of prone danish. <laughs> Yesterday I was having dinner with Charles Manson. <laughs> and in the middle of dinner, he turned to me and said, is it hot in here or am I crazy? Does it depend on how you're summing, you know, how you're sussing out the crowd? Well, you know what's what's weird is a lot of times if it's a crowd that's not with you and you go into a bit and it's one of these long bits and you go, "Oh shit." You get this <laughs> feeling like you're driving and you missed your exit. <laughs> and now you have to drive for a few more miles to get to the way you can Yeah, turn you around. can't get out now. And you go, oh, shit, oh. I, I, the exit was right there. Oh, my God. You don't do some of those longer, drawn-out bits. You used to do that bit about the one, the island of one-name people. I know. Celebrities and yeah, the island I, of three-name people. I should bring that back. And that, took, that was like a six-minute bit. Yeah. And it, you, you, don't, uh, you don't have the patience for them anymore? Yeah, or, I, or, just... or maybe I should have someone with, I should have an earphone. And someone off stage going, you know, like Bob, uh, like Bob and Dolores at the end. Bob oh Hope. my yeah. God! Dolores feeding him the that lines. Was... Seriously? Well, his daughter, I think, Linda was feeding oh, him lines here, at you, the end. Oh, here you piece. owe this to yourself. Yeah, you owe this to yourself. In the last Bob Hope special, <laughs> we're he, turning Stephen right onto Jack Frost. Yes, he plays. <laughs> he does a skit, a musical number where he's Jack Frost. And he's like, you know, about a thousand now, and he looks two thousand. He looks like he died twenty years ago. Hope his eyes are like all glazed over and red, and his mouth is hanging open. But they've got him in a goofy costume. It's like taking someone with Alzheimer's out of his wheelchair <laughs> and slapping a funny hat. He's wearing face fake icicles. He's Jack Frost. <laughs> <laughs> and, and his wife's doing most of the heavy lifting there. Yeah. We'll show it to Stephen oh, later. Oh, it's 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 well, so. What do you mean she's doing most of the? Well, heavy she's, she's singing and doing a little whatever dancing wife? she can yeah, do. Yeah, Dolores. And I I always when I watch that bit I always think this is Dolores getting even to Bob Hope for all the times he <laughs> fucked around on her. <laughs> but even the stand up, even the monologues in those old specials. Oh my! The story God. is that his daughter was was whispering lines to him in an earpiece. Oh yeah. I mean, he was 110. There's nothing to be ashamed of. I think, I think of, with but Rodney, they started doing that. I believe that's true. And really? with Rodney, as great as his Carson was. All those Carsons were terrific. But then he started coming on The Tonight Show with, with Leno. And he was already older then. And and I remember I would watch him and go, oh, God, I wish you would just stop. I really want him to retire so could, we could remember him 
when he was great. So I'm going to be feeding you the honeymooners oh, yeah. in, a, in, in, in your ear in, a, in about 12 years? Steve, you said when you started that you, you were like a Rolodex in your head. You knew exactly where you were going, and now it's a little bit different. Now you say you know about 90%? Well, when I started, I knew exactly. I knew the exact jokes in order. Then as the material piled up, piled, piled up, then I had it into my head and like and divided in three sections. Okay. Like three Rolodexes, like the first third of the show, the second... And then the third. So then I would be saying one joke, and I would think, well, and I'm thinking, well, now what can I do after while I'm saying that joke? Do you do that when you were deciding the next bit? Oh, yes. So you're saying something, but you're thinking about what can be next. It's so so weird when you're on stage. And I've heard this about dramatic actors and and rock singers and, and people who look like they're just performing their guts out tears and sweat going down and and they're thinking about what they're going to have for dinner later on and i find that i'll think about the next bit oh here's something that happens to me i'll be in the middle of a bit and i'll do this one i'll hit a line and i'll go you know that line never really worked the way i wanted it to work that always should have been a stronger line there I should really put something else there. And then I'll go, oh, this bit usually works well. And, or should I follow this with this? Or does it need something different? This is why you talk saying jokes. The what? It's all in your head. You're yeah. saying something yeah. like that. It's, it's amazing what can go through your head while you're doing the oh, show. I used I, to joke to people, it would be my friends, if there was a sign, you know the sign that goes across Times Square with the news, you know mm-hmm. how it goes around oh, the yeah. If there was one of those above the stage, like, and you could see what the performer was thinking about. Yes, because when, when you're <laughs> reading like, one, I, I the other one's coming tomorrow. along. <laughs> I got to call, you know. But I had it in thirds, and I would pick it. When I would go, and then I took six months off, and when I came back, this was like 20 years ago. When I came back, I didn't know how I was doing that. I thought, I don't, I don't know, how am I, how am I saying one joke and then deciding what the next one is while I'm saying that one? And then I changed it completely, and, now, and then I thought, I'll know the whole thing now, exactly all the way through, which is great because I didn't have to, I don't have to waste any of my energy on deciding the next thing. Now I can just, you know, perform each joke rather than wasting the, that, do, do having a memory test. Mm-hmm. That feeling that I'll get sometimes where you're on stage performing and then all of a sudden out of nowhere it hits you and you go, I'm on stage in front of a group of strangers and I'm telling jokes and making faces. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> You're still having that feeling. Yes, All yes. These- yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, it just hits you. <laughs> Seems perfectly oh rational. No, I don't. I don't have that. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm just trying to like do it and trying to be a Buddhist, like trying to be in that moment of that. That's hilarious. You go look. You look at you from the self from the outside. Going, yeah, what the and I'll fuck? go. This doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> was your first joke you wrote the joke about the French girl in the bookstore? Was it the first joke you did at the connection? It was the first joke I did at the uh, open mic. Uh-huh. And it's uh, 
started talking to this very French, went in a bookstore talking to this very French-looking girl. She was a bilingual illiterate. She couldn't read in two different languages. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it was the first one I wrote, uh-huh. but that was the first one. Uh-huh. Wow, you were with, like, the FBI, yeah. Well, I try, that, to, I try to do a that, little digging. That's, uh, you don't remember yeah. your first joke, Gil? Have any... It was like pressure, right? What was the name of that club when you went with your sister from Brooklyn? Uh, do you know something? I'm all confused with that because for years I thought it was the bitter end. And then my sister said it wasn't the bitter end. It was some other. So I don't you know. You were Darlene? Oh, uh, yes. Was yeah. It, was it the Village Gate? Was it, I what is it one of those? Was it, it downtown? May, was it it the may not have even been in that area. So it wasn't a comedy. I, they didn't have a comedy club? It, it was a mixture. Well, back then, those clubs... There'd be a comedian and a folk singer. Oh, oh and it was like cat- Folk City. Or, yeah, or, or yeah. A comedy U Grand had Yeah, music. those type of places. Yeah, like in the 70s, you mean? Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I think it was like the, it was, might have been 69. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. And do you remember anything of your first thing that you well, said? I, the earliest joke I remember wasn't on stage. But I remember uh, it could have been in kindergarten or <laughs> the first grade. And the teacher was talking, and she was carrying a newspaper for some, maybe telling us what a newspaper was. And one kid was obviously not paying attention. He was looking in the other direction, and she took her newspaper and put it on, placed it on his head. And I said, those are the headlines. (laughs) (laughs) And it got a laugh. Oh, you said that in the class? Yeah. That's hilarious. It got a laugh. That's and hilarious. That's the earliest joke I remember wow. saying. Was, did you have a class clown thing going on back no, then? No, you know, I I always said I think the class clowns are the ones that wound up to be those guys that come up to you after a show and say, you know, in my job, I'm the funniest right, ex- guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. The quiet ones are the ones that, that you have to yeah. watch out. Oh, yeah. yeah. I never wanted the attention of the class. I would make my buddies laugh, but I wasn't didn't want the attention. But I remember the first time in like third or fourth grade, we had to go up in front of the class and say something, not a joke, but anything we had to do. And my father and I, my family would watch the Jackie Gleason, uh, we watched The Honeymooners, but there was another one. Remember the one after that? Oh, one? the one that he did in Miami. Yeah, with uh, Crazy Google. Oh, yeah, the Jackie oh, yeah. Gleason show from, from and Miami. And he would end each one with... The she Miami Beach audience is the greatest yes. audience in the world. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Sure, with the tan. Yeah. So and the, the pinky rings yeah. and the drink, alcohol and cigarette. It was a, someone told a joke on that show, and I was in third or fourth grade, so I went up to stay on the front of the class, and I told the joke. And when I walked back to the my seat, Brian Owens, just imagine I'm seven, he said, you didn't tell it right. <laughs> Seven. The, the joke was uh, the cop stops the guy. He's going down a one-way street the wrong way, and the cop says, didn't you see the arrows? And he says, the arrows? I didn't even see the Indians. <laughs> that was the joke. But I remember walking back and having him. Imagine being seven, being criticized. Hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was just thinking, Don Rickles would drink the three vodkas. And and, and that's an amazing thing. I have it on good authority that that's what happened. Like nowadays, 
they would drink like vegetable juice before they go on, right. to, and they'll die at twenty. Right. Well, you said the other day that that was an era that Rickles represented the era when people were smoking and drinking. Yeah, it's, it's an era of show business. Like that's like gone. Gleason on that show in Miami oh, yeah. would have a drink in one hand, a cigarette Absolutely. in the other, and it was the coolest thing in the world to you watching it. Yeah, that time it was normal. And then the commercial, Johnny Carson smoking cigarettes oh, yeah, behind sure, the desk. Sure, sure. Tell us about meeting Carson because I, I, in my research I found a line that you just, that you used to describe it, which I loved. Was, you said it was like getting in a cab by accident with Jesus. I did? Well. Well, that, it was like that. It was, I mean, I, I just watching him from 16 and looking up. I mean, he, they, you know, they just had such an admiration for the whole thing, the him and it was just amazing. So then when I met him, I was 26. And I remember I was in the makeup room. I never had makeup put on me in my life. That's a whole other thing I'll tell you soon. But he came in with the producer and he was standing there and he's talking to me and saying, yeah, okay, well, I'm glad you're here. I hope you go out there and have a good time. And I'm looking at him. He could have been saying to me, we're going to ax murder you after the show and we're going to bury you in five different states. Is that all right with you? I, that's fine. That's fine, fine with me. He could have been saying, it, it was, talk about surrealism. I mean, it was the closest the talking head on the, could, that lives in, the person that lives it, in the television is now yes, standing next to you talking to you. It couldn't be any more powerful. It was um, incredible. It was very surreal. I got so nervous that I wasn't nervous anymore. They, they, I kind of got numb. Because like. that was the largest crowd, too, when you got out there that you'd ever that you'd ever. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. You know that, too. The audience was 500 people. Even if it hadn't been televised, that was the biggest crowd I ever oh, played. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 500 people. Incredible. Amazing. I, I, he changed my life twice because... That's how I got it in my head that I wanted to be a stand-up from watching the show. So that was like my fantasy. I didn't think it would really happen, but it was like that was my dream, like a kid being a baseball player or an astronaut. So, they, I mean, it was embedded. That was my real thing. And then when I went on, then everything changed because I went on the show. So it was like twice. It's amazing how that can... Uh, a, a person can affect you that much that you don't, you don't even know the person really. But when you're that age, like 15, 16, 17, your mind is in a different level of uh, in, imprinting. Like music can have an impact that won't later. You know, like for me, like oh, the Beatles, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, you know, your, your mind is like receiving the world at a different level. It's taken more in then it, and it's having more of an impact than any other time, I think, in your life, like 15 to like 28 or something, that your brain is at a different perspective. Yeah, see, that, but that's that thing. Well, like just you, underst uh, you don't understand being manipulated. You're more open to things. And all that changes when you get older. You're you're you become a lot more critical, yes. self-conscious. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you know, you didn't come from from famous people. You're from a, a, a pretty much a small town, and you're 26, and you're meeting Johnny Carson. So I think for anybody, that would have been intimidating. It was still, it still, of all the things after that, that's still my favorite thing in my whole career. Is that first appearance. 
and going on. How there. soon did you get over to the couch? At the time, that first, first, time. first one. First, first appearance on national television, and uh, I think you're going to find him a little different. Would you welcome Stephen Wright? One time, right in the middle of a job interview, I took out a book and I started reading. The guy said, what the hell are you doing? I said, let me ask you one question. If you were in a vehicle and you were traveling at the speed of light, and then you turned your lights on, would they do anything? He said, I don't know. I said, forget it then. I don't want to work for you. I've never seen electricity. That's why I don't pay for it. I write right on the bill. Sorry, I haven't seen it all month. A couple of nights ago, I came home very late, and I was having a little bit of trouble getting into my apartment, and I accidentally took out a car key, and I stuck it into the door and turned it, and the building started up. So I drove it around for a while. I went too fast and the police pulled me over. They said, where do you live? I said, right here. Did you have more material prepared? No, I, had, no, I wasn't even sure I was going to go there. They said, you know, they w- said, they're going to wave you to leave. Look at Johnny and then look ahead and then leave. I looked at Johnny and looked ahead and all the guys with the headphones were going like, you know, to go over. And, and I, if you see me like take a hesitant step. I couldn't even talk. He was, you should, if you ever watched it, he's asking me questions. And I'm like, uh, he said, a lot of. uh, (laughs) 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 So innocent. (laughs) But it it is good. You do do things like years later. You know, when I was 28 or 30, I would think I would never try it. If I hadn't done this, I would never try it. Oh my God. You become rational. (laughs) That's that's, that's what it is. You were 24. Gil, you were fifteen. Yes, and if and if if well, it I was twenty three, twenty three. So if yeah. it had come to you both, the idea of, of being stand ups just five years later. Oh my God! Neither, yeah, neither one of you would be sitting here. It, it it's just like it's I remember yeah. my parents would mention stuff like, you know, like uh, air conditioner repair or TV repair, suggesting something. Yeah, you take lessons in it. You know how to do it. And it would be something, you know, an occupation, uh, a skill. And cause, and and nowadays it makes sense to me, even though no one gets anything repaired nowadays. Just toss well, it. Well, I don't know about how you feel, but I feel very, very lucky like that to be doing this for a career. I mean, I, I, for so many reasons, I'm lucky that the audience likes some people like what I do because if they didn't like the style it's not like I had a plan B no okay I'll go to this type <laughs> now they don't like that one I'll go to the third type right. I'll you do know, it with the French accent <laughs> 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 that, that's just luck that they like it not luck in the sense that that wasn't you know right they, okay they luck it's and always then, serendipity and involved. then to be able to do this like it's like we're in nursery we're in a kindergarten we're making stuff we make things up and that's our life and do you feel fortunate to like to it, do that? It, well it's so weird i'm one of those people who never feels fortunate 
most of the time. And I and I hate when people say, oh, I've got no regrets in my life. I'm filled with regrets. Oh, I have regrets, too. But um, when I think about it, like I'm one of those people who's constantly going, oh, I have no career. I, I'm a failure, blah, blah, blah. But what then what snaps into my head is all of those years of struggling just to get on at a club for no money and the trillions of other people over the years who would also come in every night and you see them every night for God knows how long and now I don't remember what they look like. I don't remember their names. They're all, I, I don't know if they're still alive. And I'm thinking of, I could have just as easily been one of those. And then do you feel appreciative? Yeah, yeah. I could have been one of yeah. those guys that you yeah. said, hey, remember that guy, yeah. Uh, yeah. Gary something, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, oh, Gilbert, uh, yeah, I don't remember what he did. And, you know, and these people who just fall off the earth. So you have some gratitude mixed in with the uh, oh yeah with the self pity well, yes that's, that's nice good. yeah that's good. I just I the only thing now that I know I regret is my choice of co-host. <laughs> that's <laughs> she said. Wow, that I don't that was have a long to ramp. that I don't have to think twice about. <laughs> That was beautiful, if I must say. <laughs> wow. That was nicely done. <laughs> Steve, speaking of surrealism, I have to ask you about appointments of Dennis Jennings and how it and how it came together, which I watched again the other night. Well, uh, and it's it's so good. Thank you. Um, you know, I was doing a lot of. Uh, Appearances, and I did an HBO special, and then I, me and my friend Mike were talking, and he said you should go to HBO and and like see if they want to do a short film with you. So I said, yeah, okay, yeah. So I went with my agent, and they said, you want a half an hour? Yeah, okay, yes, we should do that. Okay, and then I came back, and I said, Mike, they want to do it now. I don't know what to do though. Because I had no idea what to do. Mike I knew from Emerson College. Mike Armstrong? Mike Armstrong, yes. And we would, he was head of the paint crew. We would, we, I had a summer job painting the classes in the dorms during the summer of the, of the school we went to. I had graduated, but now I'm painting this. And we, me and him would be in the same room painting. And painting is so boring. Well, all we would do was talk, yeah. and we would die laughing because Mike is a hilarious, just hilarious guy. And for some reason, we made a lot of—we found psychiatry, a, a lot of comments about that. For, I don't know why, but that was one of our main things we would joke about. So then we said— because uh, when I went, I was going to write it with him. It was understood. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, well, what are we going to do? Well, how about psychiatrists? We made so many jokes— we didn't have any of those actual jokes in the thing, but we just found that profession hilarious. So that's how that happened. And Atkinson's just great. You oh, guys are yeah. just so such a fun tandem. Oh. But you know, I was watching it and looking deconstructing some of those gags. I mean and some of those gags are, are worthy of of any great silent film. I mean the waiter when you're pouring the water. Oh yeah. Just yeah. it's just real <laughs> really smart. You, of course I know Gilbert hasn't seen it. 
Yeah, Dick. no. That's if, right. if it's something you're involved with, I usually avoid. <laughs> he just won an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. no biggie. Because you, you make me nervous, so I'd rather not have you. Know, don't watch my stuff. Even if I'm not watching you, not watch it. It would make me nervous. And we had a guy in one. There was a in the background. A guy comes over. No, oh, it was me. It was me. Mm-hmm. I come over and I give. There's a kid sitting at a table. Like Laurie Metcalf is talking, and I'm in the background. I put a thermometer in his it's mouth, fantastic. and then I leave. Yeah. And a minute later, I come back and I look at the temperature like this, and then I just walk away. Like just there's totally so many insane. great gags. Surrealism. Yeah. The tape, taking the tape out of the answering machine, oh, yeah. walking oh, around yeah. listening walking to it as you walk, man. Listening to the tape. Remember the big answering machine tapes? Oh, yes, yeah. yes. So I put it in a Walkman, and I'm walking down the street listening to it, and I forget to, there's a lady on there saying you forgot to adopt. You adopted a child, and you never... Uh, oh, then that's where you turn around yeah, turn and run. Around. Hi, Dennis, it's Emma. I'll be home later. Call me. Dennis, this is Linda Thompson calling from the adoption agency. When are you coming by to pick up that child you adopted? This is Mrs. Wilson, your third grade history teacher. I suppose you think I'd forgotten about that book report on the Indians. That that just brings back something else. It's like that having nothing to do with showbiz even. I remember how like I was excited when I finally got, when I finally bought an answering machine. <laughs> that was like such an, a miraculous thing. But now I think when people are watching a movie and they see an answering machine, they're going, what, what is that? hell is that yeah or you see the phones like some guy will have a phone in his car like the movie was made in 75 like and it's oh yeah it, well huge. it's like like uh zach on saved by the bell and and jerry seinfeld would have like like a brick oh the big with phone it. with yeah. the antenna yeah, with yes the antenna. yeah well <laughs> That's and do you, you remember think, think this? Maybe we should be at the end, maybe. We're wrapping it oh, up. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you want to get out? No, I just have a gut feeling that uh, I'm going to be killed at midnight. And I'd like to get out. I know what you're talking like about. To, <laughs> I'd like to get one more evening in. <laughs> Anything you want to plug? You're working with Louie? <laughs> oh, I was with Horace and Pete. Yeah. But that's over now. But you what, were you, what, what were you saying? You were saying something. Were you going somewhere, Gil? Oh. You, you was, you oh, no. Oh, just one other thing. And that was, yes. I find, very weird. I, my ans- my outgoing message <laughs> was always like, uh, uh, hi, leave a message and your name. Leave your name and message when you hear the beep. And that was it. And people would criticize me going, oh, that's funny. And and these people used to try to be creative with their outgoing messages and try to be funny. And I hated. Like it was a little show. like. Yeah, I hated funny outgoing messages. Yeah, mine on my cell phone now is I mumbled on purpose. I, it seems like I'm talking, but I'm really, I'm like, I'm saying, and it's, 
and there's like a couple words you can almost hear. Yeah. And I did it on purpose because, and the reaction is interesting. 80, 70% of the people don't even comment on it, which I found interesting. <laughs> and the other people, what the hell are you talking about? What are you doing? Well, okay. We want to let this man out of the. So we'll do it again uh, for the next five days in a row. Absolutely. Uh, Yes. We'll do it again in fifteen minutes from now. (laughs) (laughs) Fifteen minutes. You want to plug anything at all? You're in the emoji movie. Nothing. Oh yeah, I'm in the emoji doing a voice in that movie. Comes out in the end of July, and mainly I'm just performing live. That's it. Are Are there any actresses you can imagine taking a shit that you'd like to? Talk about actresses. Yes, you know I have to get going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm double parked, even though I don't have a car. <laughs> we've done 180 of these, Stephen. This may be the strangest one we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I liked your other short, by the way, One Soldier, too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Reminded me of something called Occurrence at Owl Creek, Owl Creek Bridge. You know oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. It's a dream. It's the same. Comes, oh, it's a little yeah. like that tonally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, which is a compliment. Tone. Thank yeah. you so much. It's very good. Thank you. And I'm going to tell our listeners to please, if you have never seen the appointments of Dennis Jennings, do so immediately. People listen to us. I don't know Excellent. why. They actually take yeah. our recommendations. <laughs> this was a lot of fun, man. I'm glad you came. Great. I'm happy to do this. And we never got to know what his favorite movie was. Oh, before I go, one of those old business, new business. Go quick, because we have another guest coming oh, in. Oh, okay. Some guy uh, tweeted me. I yeah. think his name was like John Kenny. Okay. And he said that he thinks the serial killer who liked the song Seasons in the Sun <laughs> was a serial killer named Joseph Callinger. Wow. Yeah. That's from Amazing. a previous show. Yeah. We, we, That's okay. incredible. <laughs> anyway. Thank you. Because I was wondering. <laughs> well, I saw. Wonder no more. You looked really bad when you came in. I mean, worse than usual. You want to say anything about the Red Sox before you go? Uh, no, I just hope they do good. And okay. I, I hope they keep playing in Fenway. I'm used to I used to write the welcome home dinner. You did? Yeah. Just oh. jokes for it. We'll talk about it later. Shall we let this man go get on with his life? All right. (laughs) Well, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. Your one regret. We asked my one regret. (laughs) And uh, and once again, we've been recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. And and being a fucking killjoy has been Stephen Wright. (laughs) (laughs) who doesn't realize if you're a guest on this show, you don't just fucking walk out. You don't just go, hey, you know, I'm tired of talking. Uh, You know, you never turn to Jack Carter or Johnny Carson or Tom Snyder. Asking those questions about actors. Yes. No, Jack Jack Parr used to say, yeah, yes. He would say, can can you imagine Jane Russell taking a shit? Stephen, thanks for coming and taking a shit. He would ask that of Adlai Stevenson when he'd be a guest.
<laughs> Steven is doubled over. He may be getting a nosebleed. Thanks for coming in, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, but. next time, write down the names of the actresses. <laughs> so you can... T- First guest that's ever made a getaway. <laughs> Get the closest, most comfortable shave you've ever experienced with Bull Goose Shaving Supplies. Whether you need a safety razor, shaving brush, shaving cream, or aftershave, Bull Goose has you covered. They've even designed their own line of stainless steel razors called Asylum Shave Works which are machined to the tightest tolerances right here in the U.S. Just visit BullGooseShaving.com to change the way you shave today and get 15% off old shaving soap, shaving creams, and aftershaves when you enter promo code GILBERT at checkout. <laughs> 